incorruptible love. Ephesians 6, 24, Paul says, I pray that the grace would be upon you that you would love God with an incorruptible love. You see, what Jesus does, he comes to set the captive free, so then the captive is no longer a captive, it's a freed person, and they're able to love the Father with this incorruptible love. It's the love from another kingdom, isn't it? Our human love is corruptible, it's, it's, it's corrupted, it, it's selfish. It does things for itself, it does things out of gain for self, even when we don't even necessarily realize it. The motive of our heart at the core is selfish. That's what it separated us from God. And yet God says, I want you to love me with this incorruptible love. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. The seed was incorruptible. So the seed, as it grows, produces the fruit of the other kingdom, doesn't it? And this is what we've been talking about out of 1 John. There's this love that we can know that can be perfected within us when we know what it means to abide in Christ and keep his word. There is this reality, this experience that you and I can live from. Jesus came to set us free and that we would find abundant life, yes? Not just this life, but this abundance of life. It's an untapped reality and I'm going to keep on preaching this stuff to what I've seen in the spirit, I see in the physical. So you have my word, I'm going to keep preaching this every week, every week, because I've got faith to believe what God has shown me in the spirit, I'm going to see in front of me in the physical. And I'm not going to stop until I see it, or until he takes me. Because my hope is not in what I look at in the physical, my hope is what I see in the spirit. And then I'm believing, prophesying that into the physical reality so they align and match. The bride is making herself mate. She's making herself ready. And her bride loves with this incorruptible love because she's been given. The Bible says in Romans 5 that God has poured out his love into our hearts. And the second thing I believe God would want me to share with you today is revelation of truth supersedes proclamation of truth. So the revelation of truth precedes, it trumps, it supersedes, sorry, it supersedes the proclamation of truth. For so long, the church has taught if you proclaim it till it happens. I'm not saying that doesn't work, but a more powerful work is when you receive the revelation of it, then you can speak of it. Prophesy like it is done. See, when you get the revelation of it, then you're able to speak from a place rather than trying to pull it from the outside in. That still works, but it's probably about 3% of the way God changes you. It's a revelation of the word in you, and now you speak. Can you see how back to front they are? One's a position of really being empty. The other position's of being full. Because the power of God has brought you into this full expression so then, then there's, you just speak what is. You know, sometimes we try and activate principles, but we're not in the life of the principle. So we don't get the, the fruit of the principle. So we apply all these things, but because we're not in the life of it, we just do it through a physical act. And the point is to come into the life. So then the principle, you just live out. Does that make sense? And it comes 
more from revelation than it does proclamation. I'd go as far as to say as 98% of it is revelation, 2% is proclamation. That's why we can stay stuff, but we're sort of not still in the life of it. Because it's not his first placed position. And God is rewiring us, isn't he? He's taken you and I, if we've been bold enough to hang around and allow him to change you from the inside out, to actually take and establish his true foundation within you, which is the substance of Christ, not just in words now, but in reality. That if a storm came, you're a house that just stands there and the waves just hit it. Why? Because your internal framework, what you're built on, is literally Christ in you, the hope of glory, no longer just it being proclamation, but it's revelation. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, I build my church. Not on the proclamation of Jesus Christ. They are different operating systems. And for too long, the church has operated from a proclamation rather than a revelation. Do you know why? Because we can actually proclaim, but revelation we can't come into outside of the Holy Spirit bringing us into. That's why we're so dependent on the Holy Spirit. I don't like that at times. I don't like being dependent because I think I'm independent. And I've got plenty that I bring to the party. And I think I can build some things. And sure, I can build some things. I can build things in my own strength. Probably not of him. And I can celebrate what I build. Probably not of him. And I can think they're of him, but they're not of him. Because the Lord says, unless the Lord builds the house, you're all just running around exerting a whole lot of energy. And he builds on his power, not on our wisdom. That's really hard, eh? That I've got to come with weakness. I love what Amanda prayed at the pre-service prayer. Just God starting to show her more of, we bring nothing to this party. Nothing to the party. Funny story, slightly, you'll laugh at this, I think. When we, uh, in New Zealand as a culture, you bring a plate. And well, that's not the English culture when we're from. So when we came to New Zealand, and the point is we don't bring anything to the party, okay? But, but we got told, my dad came home and said, hey, Lil. He said, well, we've been invited to a party because we're from Liverpool. He said, that's great, you know, we've been here about four weeks but they must, they must not have a lot of money because we've got to bring a plate. So what did we take? We turned up with plates. And they looked at us, and of course, it's all over a giggle, but there was nothing on the plate. See, we actually brought nothing to the party, apart from plates, but they wanted food. And we need to realize that we don't bring anything to the party. Until we go through this transition of weakness to strength, then I'm strong. And then Christ in me, the power of Christ in me, is then released through me. That's where our strength comes from. But unless we're prepared to go through the transition of weakness to strength, we will stay being strong. And God said to me very clearly two weeks ago at banquet, he said, Greg, my people will never overcome until they know how defeated they are. 
Why? Because until you realize just how defeated you are, you need to surrender the flesh over. You can't overcome because you're trying to overcome in your own strength. But Christ is our victory. Christ is our overcomer. So the purpose for me overcoming is not in my ability. I just happen to be the empty vessel that God uses. And all of a sudden, I'm overcoming the flesh. I'm overcoming the world. I'm overcoming the adversary. But not through my strength or my power, but through his. And unless I go through the meat grinder called revelation and relinquish the control of my life, I will always be outside of an overcoming life. And yet the promises are those for the overcomer, isn't it? God doesn't want us and our strength trying to rule because our strength is selfish, self-centered, our love. So there's this challenge and there's this thing called the gospel. You heard about it? Have you received it? Has it changed you? Is it changing you? Great. What is the gospel? Is it just these words? Jesus came down, died on a cross, rose again, went back to the Father. Is that what the gospel is? Or is that describing something that he did? How do you receive it? Through your own ability? What's the impact that's supposed to have on your life? What are the consequences of not receiving it the way he intends? What's the other gospel that these guys that were trying to actually convince other people to come into, even though they'd received the real gospel? The Bible says there's a different gospel, but it's not really a different gospel. It's a distortion of this one. What is the gospel? Because Paul said this. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. Are you? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because something happened the day he received the gospel. There was change that happened when he received the gospel. Wasn't it? Look, he says this in 1 Corinthians 9.23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Are we a partaker of the gospel? Do you do all things for the sake of the gospel? It's very quiet now. All things. The man was wholeheartedly abandoned for the sake of the gospel What is the gospel? How do you receive the gospel? What's the power of the gospel? What are the consequences of not receiving the gospel the way Jesus intends? Because he says, I do all things so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Something in the spirit realm happens when we receive the gospel the way Jesus intends. Something in us happens when we receive the gospel the way God intends. It takes you from one reality and transports you into another reality. And we start living from this new reality 
the more we actually eat of it and receive it, so we become a partaker. The Bible says to partake of Christ's life. Think about that. I partook of pizza last night. Domino's pizza. It was a little bit dry. But anyway, I was hungry. So we partook of it. Josh and Jesse were around, and then we partook of Christ. Two hours. Man, didn't need pizza. Amazing. Two hours went by like that because we partook of the gospel. Eating, drinking of this thing called the gospel, which Paul said, I'm not ashamed of. Why? Because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Do you know how right you are in Christ? Have you got really any concept of just how right you are? Many don't. Many struggle with knowing just who you really, really are. How right you've been made. Because we've got our reality and we know us and we know our behavior. And so we write ourselves off. And God's like going, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're so right, it's unbelievable. That's the problem it is, isn't it? <laughs> See why we need the mind of Christ. But Paul's a partaker of something called the gospel. Where Jesus came and died and rose again and power was released. And the man said in Philippians 3.10, he said, I want to know him more. I want to know the power of the resurrection that was bought that day at Calvary. And I want to have fellowship with your sufferings. Meaning I want to have oneness with what you went through. He did, didn't he? Was he not whipped five times, 39 lashes? Was he not shipwrecked? Was the man not stoned to death? Do you still want to be a partaker of the gospel? Persecution comes to those who partake of the gospel. Maybe that's why we don't really partake of the gospel. But you know what? He guarantees you a life on the inside of you to love on persecution. He guarantees something that's going to happen in you. When you receive the gospel the way God intends, which is the word of God, something happens that has you living for a higher calling and then is able to love and express and pray for in the event of persecution because others don't understand what you're now living for because you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's exciting. The fact that I can live beyond the earth, that I can actually enter into a reality that's in the kingdom of God through the power of the gospel that brings me into this ability to live beyond my ability. Thank you. See, there's a, when there's an agreement, there's power. I prophesied there would be no unbelief in this right now. I bound up unbelief because unbelief robs you and I of life. I love what Mel said. Unbelief, to believe it, is you're calling God a liar. 
And if we don't come into the agreement of yes and amen, then we will always fall short of the reality in the life he's called us to. The Bible says you have all fallen short of God's glory. Did you know we started off in glory? And we fell when man fell out of glory. And God is trying to get us back into glory. He's trying to get us into this full state through the power of his word. Now, Jesus says, I give you my glory. So we have it, but we're coming into it. I have it, but I'm coming into it. Do you know you're saved? Getting saved will be saved. It's called salvation. Does this guy know what he's talking about? Yep. You see, we fell out of glory. We fell out of the eternal realm. And we hit this thing called the earth. And we've been messed up ever since. But God says, guys, there's a plan. There's a purpose. I'm bringing you back. Giving you my power of the Holy Spirit to bring you back into glory. That you would know what it means to be one with me. So, Father, I pray that these people would be one, like we are one, so they would know who they've been called to be and live from this realm. So I send you my son. I send you the gospel in the flesh who's going to die and rise again, and you too can know the power of the gospel. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you know the power of God? Because God has sent his power, his name is Jesus Christ, to take you from one realm and propel you into another. Not in your ability, in his strength. Can you see why we must come to God in a state of weakness and absolute humility? It's called a broken spirit, a contrite, humbled spirit. Otherwise, we're still trying to go round the pen and we don't realize our operating system, which is within us, our heart and our mind, is a faulty one. So he says, there's this thing called the gospel. There is a life to partake of and a life to experience through the gospel, Romans 1, 16, 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The word believes means to be fully convinced. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of this transformational reality that takes me from being dead to life, lost to found. Those are my words. Paul saying this. I'm saying this, I'm not ashamed of this transformational reality, the gospel, that takes me from being dead to life. I'm not ashamed, I was once lost, now I'm found. There is no midpoint. You're not part found. We were all lost, and now we are found. You see, the gospel brings you into a reality, and you start realizing how right you are. So we start living from how right we are. Oh, you don't understand, Greg. I'm this. So? No, you're not. You're this. It's powerful. Gospel is powerful. The outcome of the gospel is a transformational life 
Romans 1.17 says, For in it the gospel, the righteousness of God, is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Faith in who? Well, Paul said again, man's got many awesome words. Why? Because he didn't just write a book from a place of nothingness. He wrote a book from being full. So our challenge is not to understand the words on the page in our mind. Our challenge is to come into the life that sits behind the words. For you to come into the life of Paul's letters, you need to have the man's revelation, reality. He's writing from a revealed place. He's trying to describe something that's almost indescribable. He's trying to put down in, in, in words a reality that he's in. So it's not about understanding the words intellectually. It's about coming into the life of the words, the word of God that sits behind the words and living from that place. So you and I could almost write our own epistles called a testimony of the change of transformation because I received the gospel that Paul received the way Paul received it. Is that clear? See the difference between knowledge and knowledge. An acquiring of knowledge that actually the Bible says that many have a form of godliness, but they lack power. There's that word again. So we can do all the right things, but not necessarily have the substance of the right thing. We don't know how to live right. But you can. It's powerful. Faith to faith. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's why he was unashamed. See, there's something about the gospel, the power of the gospel, that takes shame off you. It frees you of guilt. It frees you of shame. It frees you of who you once were. But you're no longer bound by who you once were because now you know who you are. It can happen in a moment of time like bang, and it can happen on a steady process. It's both and more. The jurisdiction of our faith is our revelation. Think about that. The jurisdiction, the boundaries of your faith is your revelation. Your revelation of Christ. If you have greater revelation of Christ, your boundary enlarges. If you have little revelation of Christ, you have a little faith. That's what Jesus was saying. You have little faith. What he's saying is you have little revelation. See, faith enlarges and enlarges the more you have revelation. The gospel brings revelation. The gospel has the power to open up the mind and now renew the mind. And now you start seeing who you really are and who God is. What is this gospel? How do you receive this life? What are the consequences of receiving it? What's the life that's produced? A new life. A brand new life in Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. 
going to read you 1 Timothy. This is how much this man knew the gospel. This is how much he knew he'd been set free. Who knows Paul's, Saul's history? Was he a good dude? As Saul. No. But look what the gospel does. Okay? He wrote this in 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ our Lord who has strengthened me. Oh, there you go. Christ our Lord who has strengthened me. Because he considered me faithful. (laughs) Is this the same dude? God considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in who? It's all found in Christ, isn't it? Everything is found in Christ. Do you think this man knows how right he's been? Do you think he knows who he was? He tells you. How does a man go from being a persecutor, an aggressor of the church, he's killing you and I in the name of God, has an encounter with this thing called the gospel, Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden now he lives completely different and he doesn't have any guilt issues about it. Because he realizes he was acting in ignorance and in unbelief. But when Christ reveals it to him, he's like, oh my goodness, he's brought into humility, but he's not beating himself up. He's not saying he's not good enough to preach because Christ has made me right. So even though I did all this horrendous stuff, the gospel has set me free. The gospel has come and propelled me into this now being a minister of the thing I was once persecuting. By the grace. What's grace? What is grace, guys? It's not an excuse to abuse it. It's not something just you can live as you live your whole life. Grace is power to change the church. Grace is God's power that propels the church to be the church. To live as Christ lived. To live as Paul lived. Didn't Paul say, imitate me? So what is it about Paul that we're to imitate? Well, we need to receive the gospel like Paul did. Because the fruit of the man's life speaks clearly about the gospel he received. Listen to these words. 1 Corinthians 17 to 19. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech. Man, there's a lot of that goes on today. Create the right moment through the right atmosphere, through the right sound to draw people from an emotional response. Do you know when people really hear the word of God, you don't need any of that stuff. And you don't preach it to coerce anybody. You preach it and if people hear it, they're pierced to the heart 
and they repent. You see, what you win people to is what you've got to lead them to. If you win them to the real gospel, you just tap people and point them in the right direction. Don't have to motivate them. Don't have to run around doing all the stuff, checking on them. It's actually quite tiring doing that stuff. When we're all full, we're checking on one another. Come on, man. Come on, man. So he's saying this reality, not in cleverness to speak, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. (laughs) For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many people have heard this and just think he's talking to lost people? Have you read that and gone, oh, that's for lost people? Because I am saved. What is the word of the cross? I want to make you think. I want to make you not just accept stuff and go, oh, yeah, that, that, that. And yet that, that, that is supposed to have a power like that on our lives. But because we're not intentional, we don't think about it. We just go, oh, yeah, that, that, that. What is the word of the cross? I want to make you think. I want to stop and get you to, what? Yeah, what is the word of the cross? It's a message from death to life, isn't it? Death to abundant life. So it's foolishness to many people, the word of the cross. To those who are perishing, it's absolute garbage. It's a stumbling block and it's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, to those who are saved, being saved, will be saved, it is the power of God. So the word is this. If you try and live for you, you will perish. Meaning, you're not spending your eternity from heaven, but you won't come into the life you were called to live for. Without vision, the ability to see what happens to the church. She wanders, she perishes all over the place, never coming into the life she was destined to come into. So the word of the cross, which is flesh must surrender to the power of the cross. Our flesh needs to be nailed. My mindset, my will, and my emotions need to be nailed to a cross and death to them. And life comes through the word of God, through the power that wrote Jesus from the grave. It enables me to nail that to the cross and live in this life. So it's no longer my mind. It's no longer my will. I'm not wrestling with my will. My will is nailed to the cross. It's dead. Yeah? And I don't live from my emotions. I live from truth. God has given me emotions. I will express my love, but I don't live from them. I live from the spirit of truth, the joy, the fruit of the spirit. So when bad stuff happens, when people die, when I lose stuff, I'm just as joyful as what I was before I lost them. Why? Because that stuff's nailed to the cross and I'm in the life of Christ. This is the word of the cross. It's death to me and life to my new life. See, it's the power of God to take the church from this to that. So is that the gospel that you know? Are you resisting the gospel? Can I resist the gospel? Yes, you can. Because when truth comes and shines light, we go, you're not coming into that. I'm going to stay in darkness. You, I'm not opening up to you. Sorry, I know you might be loved, but that thing, 
And that thing can be a number of things. Can be an idol. Can be another person. Do you know what idolatry is? It's taking a created thing and elevating it to the ultimate place in your heart beyond the creator. If you've done that or are doing that, you need to repent. You need the gospel to come and set you free from that flesh, that lust that you're doing. I hope I haven't offended anybody right now. I didn't mean to, but it's the truth. It needs to happen. Why? Otherwise, someone's at the center of your heart and you ain't going to come into the fullness of life because God said, I need to be the center of your life. And my gospel, the word of the cross, will come and change that reality as you surrender and come in weakness to it. For my grace is sufficient for you to do this powerful work. Well, if that's the case, then I'll humble so the power of God can be perfected in me. For when I am weak, then I am strong, he said. And I will boast about my weaknesses. I will boast about persecution. I will boast about my distress. Why? Because I'm receiving the gospel. It's powerful. Man, our God is powerful. Sometimes I think we just like don't even think about this stuff. It's like he speaks and stuff happens. You're only here because he dreamed you up. I don't know. Sometimes I can just reduce it down to my little life. And I live in a little box. I go to work from nine to five and I come home and I go to sport and I have kids and I have to eat dinner. And I spend some time and I watch the telly and life just continues. I'm on a treadmill. And there's this other realm. That the gospel brings the church into. What's the gospel, guys? It's the power of God to set the captive free. It's Jesus. Paul said this in Galatians 1. He said, I was not taught it by the agency of man. I did not receive it through the agency of man. How did he receive it? Go to one, uh, Galatians 1, guys, if you can, 11. Let's have a look what the great Paul said. How many people know how he received it? Should be Galatians 1, 11, 12. Say it again. So he received this message from the revelation of who? Of who? So where'd you get your gospel revelation from? From him? The revelation of Jesus Christ brings the gospel message to life. Thessalonians church. He says to them, you guys, you received the gospel in four elements. Who can tell me what they are? It's teaching time. You received it in word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. Does that sound like Jesus? So you received the gospel in word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. Do you think a full conviction turns you? Do you think you're the same if you receive the gospel in a full conviction? 
Do you think life stays the same? Do you think, oh, that was a nice meeting and then I continue life as normal? Certainly wasn't for Paul. Saul, Saul was going to persecute the church. Boom, has an encounter with God. Sent Ananias comes, lays hands on him. And now he's saying, oh, I've got to preach this thing. Yeah. It's radical, man. The gospel radically changes you. It's not this like, oh, sort of, no, no. Boom. What was that? That was the gospel, man. That was Jesus' revelation, bing, through the power of God. The church has much to come into. We've hoodwinked ourselves. You know what? We've dumbed everything down to make it palatable so the mind can understand it. We've taken this power and his word and we've reduced it to a crumb so our minds can somehow understand this thing. You were never created to understand God in your mind. Who's building the church? Is he? Who's building the church? Who's really building the church? Who's trying to build the church today? Jesus is, is man. You trying to build yourself up? You trying to create life? Are you trying to come into life? Are you trying? Are you trying? Are you trying? Are you trying? Are you trying, are you trying to be a Christian? If you are, you're, trying, you're building the church. Are you trying? Oh, if I try harder, if I just press harder, if I, if I, if I, if I, I'll just make... No, you won't. You're going the complete wrong way. You need to go, I can't. I can't. Ooh, yes, I can't. I doesn't like those words. I can, I can't. I can, I can't. I can't. Mm, flesh. The Bible says that we are to cease from our works and enter into his rest. That does not mean have a lie down. That means stop trying. Stop trying, relinquish the control, and let the power of God propel you into this thing called rest. And then all of a sudden, something's happened. I've got something in me that wasn't there before. Speak to Ollie, man. He sends me epistles now. Not texts, epistles. It's like you open up in the morning, ping. It's like, oh, it's Ollie. Have a chat with Ollie. Ollie, can you stand up? This is Ollie. Okay, thanks, bro. Ollie never used to be like this. Something's happened to Ollie. About three months ago, something happened to him. Hunt him out, have a coffee with him, and ask him what happened. Because I never used to get epistles from Ollie. I'd get these texts. Can you help me coach football? Yeah, bro, all good. And now all of a sudden it's like, let me tell you about this. It's incredible. He said, you don't mind, do you? I said, bro, I'm so encouraged that someone is contending for the stuff that they're hearing and going after it and going, is that for me? Because I've got a yes and an amen and agreement. If that is for me, I'm going after it with everything I got. And he's found something. So keep going, bro. That'll do. I'll leave you with that thought of Ollie. So, Ollie, you're about to be inundated. Come and see me, mate. We'll pay for your coffees. 
I hope you've heard the gospel today. I hope you've heard a reality that's for you. And can I say this? Don't let insecurity where you're at rob you of who you really are. Fight for it. Fight. Sometimes you've got to get righteously angry. Yeah? You've got to want it. I find myself at times just... It's like the beast, but it's a good lion inside. And it, come on, I'm going after this thing. I'm not passive. and We're not in the 70s now. Love, man, peace, brother. Whatever. <laughs> it's like enough is enough. Sick and tired of the rubbish. Going after the right stuff. You've been made right. Seek him, ask him to reveal how right you are so life and stuff starts to blow off you. Amen? Father, I thank you that you are who you are. I thank you that there is abundant life in the Christ. I thank you that Paul found it. We're finding it. We're eating of it. We're coming into it as a church. I thank you, Lord, that we would hunt out people that are in more life than we are and ask them, can we walk with you? Can we do life with you? Can we do discipleship with you? Can we pray together? Can we read the word together? Can we contend together? Can we fight together for this reality that's in you, God, this abundant, eternal life, like we heard last week, that will be rewarded in reigning and ruling with Christ in the millennium, the thousand-year reign, and in the new heaven and the new earth. So, Father, today, today is the day of salvation. That we do not take your grace in vain. If we have, may we repent of it. May we turn and confess our sin and then move forward in you. We ask this through the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.